From a dream within a dream, it's the IGN DigiGuys. Please welcome two men who think there's so much beauty in Uwe Boll's films that they feel like they can't take it, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Thank you, Corey. And clearly that was someone who's been listening to us long enough to know that we hate Uwe Boll. Corey, who might that listener be? That was written by Jason Croons in his sleep. Probably. Wait, Joe, I'm looking at um, mm. Home Media Magazine. And in 2009, you know, we, we, we talk a lot, especially <laughs> during AFM. Yeah, which, about AFM specials. About how, uh, you know, you have no idea. The crap. That your biggest stars do straight to video, straight to Blu-ray stuff. Yeah. Not, mm-hmm. that they, not that they sign up for that. No. But it always winds up like that. Well, if you want to know what Catherine Zeta-Jones did in 2009, it's a movie called The Rebound. Oh, jeez. Catherine Zeta-Jones and Justin Bartha, romantic comedy. Now, granted, Catherine Zeta-Jones doesn't really work anymore. She works occasionally, doesn't do all that she much job. She won an but Academy she's, Award. But she's an Oscar winner. You know, uh. she started an Oscar-winning Best Picture. You know, in the 1970s and 80s, this would never have happened. Well, because there was no uh, the, the Blu-ray. Just, ugh. Anyway, so uh, the rebound. I'm just reading the ad for it, and I just find Dreadful. it amazing. Dreadful. Although Justin Bartha was in um, the Hangover movies. He plays the... Oh, yeah, he's such a In the a first one, star. he played the guy who was getting married. Such a huge star. Game of Thrones is coming out Game in of March. Thrones is coming out in March. And we received, we received this big... Look, it's amazing the amount of money they spend marketing these things. It's, it's a black box, a black mailer specially printed with the Game of Thrones logo and inside a custom padded box inside of which is a little letter and a press release and two DVDs containing just snippets of teasers all to provide a little bit of anticipation regarding Game of Thrones coming out in March. They must have spent tens of thousands of dollars on this thing. Making it, designing it, sending it out. I, I just, it just blows my mind. Well, if a lot of people buy it, it'll certainly uh, help the uh, Blu-ray sales increase yes, trending continue. You know, yeah. sale, Blu-ray sales up 35% in 2011. I know. Isn't that great? Well, I do think it's great. You know why? Hmm. It means we uh, get to keep doing this podcast. Absolutely a very good thing. Uh, you know, uh, Kim Jong-il died, Mark. Are you uh, sad? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not sad. And I want to say that when, uh, and I've said this before, but maybe yeah. the new listeners don't know this. Mm-hmm. Now, when the LA Film Critics Association <laughs> did its best of the decade yeah. poll, mm-hmm. all of the critics, all 45 critics, the best films of the 2000s, yep. there was one vote, Wade, one vote only for Team America World Police. And that was uh, David Ernstein. No. No. That was me. Oh, okay. I voted, not, not number one. Yes. But I thought Team America, which I thought was unbelievably, unbe- just gut-splittingly rolling on the floor laughing funny. Yes. I thought that was one of the best films of, two th- of the 2000s. I, I, I'm telling you, I love that film as well. I absolutely love it. Uh, t- and why fact, do you love it? <laughs> I'm so ronery. That's right. Yes. In fact, uh, <laughs> today, I was actually, uh, on several instances today, I actually made some people laugh by going, Matt Damon. See, it makes you laugh. I didn't. I, I, you know what? I haven't watched that movie in a long time, and I don't want to because I'm afraid that, like, you know, it won't be as funny. Oh, it will be. It now, will wait. Be. Now, I have a question. Why? Yes. Are you, why are you doing your own personal uh, Facebook posting when you're not on the DigiGods Facebook page? Why? Uh, Tell you, us why. You, why? I don't know. It's easy. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I haven't. I'll, I'll get over and I'll, uh, I'll, uh, here, slap me. 
Slap it. Thank you. I just did. All right. All right. A uh, couple of uh, Blu-rays coming up in the next few months, and then we'll get to... Uh, Have you seen Dark to... Knight Rises trailer? Uh-huh. The Dark Knight, Rise... Dark Knight Rises trailer? I might have seen the trailer. I know I saw the um, the eight-minute prologue. The eight-minute the... prologue? You you don't know. I know about the eight-minute prologue, but I haven't watched it. Well, you know, I mean, there's always some kid in Taiwan who takes yeah. a, a yeah. video camera and yeah. uh, tapes it. Well, I found one, and I, I watched it. Of course you did. <laughs> I know. It's cool. All right. It's, it, it, Batman's not in it. You know... Batman's not in the eight-minute prologue. But wait, actually, I, wait I, I just said I got some stuff. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. God. Skipping ahead. Uh, actually, it's a bunch of crap. Uh, Real Steel. Oh, yeah, that's The uh, Sean uh, Levy film, which got surprisingly good reviews, although it's still Sean Levy. Uh, that's coming out on January 24th. Uh, Contagion, which I liked a lot, is uh, coming out January 3rd. And the uh, unnecessary remake of The Thing coming mm-hmm. out on uh, January uh, the 31st. The prequel. It was a prequel to The Thing. Yeah, it was a, that's true. It was a prequel to The Thing. Yeah. Prequel. Whatever. All that's coming out in uh, January. Cool. Of, of, of all those, I would, uh, I would, I would definitely pick Contagion. That's the one you got to watch. I would agree. I, I would like definitely that. agree. So we got some music. We got some uh, some TV. We got oh, some we movies. got we got music, TV, movies, uh, the whole schmear. Old movies, new movies. But uh, first, you know what? There was a book that uh, we neglected to mention in our uh, holiday podcast. Dictionary, thesaurus. Bible? No, a bio of the great John Huston. Interesting. Yes, it's called John Huston: Courage and Art, and um, it's by Jeffrey Myers, who has previously done biographies of uh, Ernest Hemingway and Humphrey Bogart and uh, numerous others. And it's this is uh, with full cooperation of the Houston estate, but without any uh, meddling. So he can tell you a warts and all biography and include all kinds of really cool archival stuff, photos and whatnot that. Uh, has never shown up in any of the other biographies. And have you, have you ever read any John Huston biographies? I have not. Quite a life, you know. The guy really, he was like the last of the great sort of mountain men, Wild West gunslingers who turned into filmmakers. You know, there were a bunch of those. John Ford was one and Griffith was one. You know, guys who came from really rugged backgrounds. And they kind of brought all of that to, you know... Peckinpah. Peckinpah. I mean, guys who would... You know, if they hadn't been filmmakers, if they'd lived 100 years earlier... Sam they, Fuller? They would have been world explorers. Sam Fuller. Yeah, they, they weren't the film school generation. These are guys who just said, you know, I'm now going to channel my world exploring energies into making movies and telling stories. And uh, it was a great generation. And Houston was like the last great one of those guys. And, uh, you know, there he is directing the dead with a, an oxygen tank attached to him, sitting in a wheelchair... I mean, that takes guts, man. That was his last film. That was his last film. I remember film. that. But uh, I'll tell you, there's a lot of stuff in this biography that it does not show up in the other bios. It's terrific. It's absolutely first rate. Highly recommended. I don't know that I would say it's the definitive Houston bio. I think they all kind of work together uh, to tell a definitive story. But it certainly is, I'd, I'd say, this is a must include. If, you, if you're missing this on the shelf and you have other Houston bios, you're making a mistake. It is great. It's called uh, John Houston Courage and Art. And uh, it's out there right now. Get I love it. him. I, yeah. You know what? Uh, for some reason, he, I, every time I think of John Huston, I think of Robert Altman. I don't know why. Really? They they weren't even really the same. Not really. All, all even... you know what? Because I, I I think of these guys who started young and they had uh, careers that spanned decades. They worked until they basically dropped dead. Yep, true. I mean, Altman died. Very true. I mean, Altman died very soon after Prairie Home Companion, and. 
John Huston was pretty much dead when he did his last film. Oh, last couple. Yeah, yeah. yeah last couple. Uh, now, I'm going to go real quickly through. Uh, I know you're going to kill me. Here, uh, well, listen, if, after you've had, look, I'm doing this as a favor to our listeners. I'm doing this because I love them, because I know that when they've had that Christmas dinner or that Hanukkah dinner, I mean, in Hanukkah is a whole week. You're eating more during Hanukkah than you do during Christmas and Christmas Eve. I know this because I went shopping today for enough food to feed the 50 people that I've got to help feed this coming weekend. 50 people, Mark. 50 people. I'm going to feed 50 people. You know what happens when people eat too much? They get they get fat. And what happens when you get fat? What do you got to do? You have to... Normal, you got to exercise. You got to get it off. I see. You got to get it off. That's what's not going to happen. That's what's going to happen. So here, I'm going to go through real quickly. This will take no time at all. Don't fret. I'm going to go through really quickly because I consulted with my sister-in-law, who's big in yoga, about what people need to do to get it off. One of the top considerations, yoga burn from Gaiam. Uh, this is with Rodney Yee. This is going to just, this will get you fit and toned. It will just kick it out. This, yeah, this Rodney Yee guy, he rules. He's the best. Uh, you know, I'm getting into yoga, Mark. I'm going to get a mat. I'm going to start doing it regularly. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to become lithe and toned and firm and slim, and I'm going to live forever. Wait, I'm just checking my iPhone while you go through these DVDs I don't care about. So you just uh, keep Another going. one is uh, Iyengar Yoga with Greg Gabriella. This is uh, actually really outstanding. I had looked for a long time to try and find an Iyengar Yoga uh, DVD. And this, oh, who uh, hasn't? You know what? Iyengar Yoga actually uh, fixed my back after an auto accident years ago. Iyengar is the guy. He's an Indian guy who took yoga, and, and he, he was crippled, and he healed himself. It's an amazing story. Anyway, uh, Iyengar, that's <laughs> He I- was dead in yoga. <laughs> it, yoga it's like, yeah, brought him back alive. to life. I-Y-E-N-G-A-R, Iyengar Yoga with Gabriella, two L's, and uh, it's absolutely terrific. It's a multi-language version. You can listen to it in Japanese if you want. Really have an exotic moment. Uh, Jane Fonda's back at it with uh, Firm and Burn and uh, Trim Tone and Flex. These are part of Jane Fonda Primetime. There are uh, two workouts on the one, three workouts on the other. Uh, I really like the uh, the phrasing that they put here. Move and groove to burn fat and tone muscles. Move maybe and groove. St- maybe instead of doing that crap, Jane Fonda should actually work in movies again. I mean, you know what? I mean, look, we need people Not like Jane Fonda. Jimmy, like, like Jane Fonda, Julie Christie, I know Annette Benning, some of these older women, they're so great. I know. You know, and I'm not saying there's a lot of roles for them. You know but, who there is you know, a role for? Betty White. Jimmy Pena. In uh, Pray Fit, the 33-day total body challenge, healthy in body and strong in spirit in 33 minutes a day. I don't know who Jimmy Pena is, but it's a pretty good workout. Um, it, it, it's a little bit gimmicky, but this one's interesting. Billy Blanks Jr., fat-burning hip-hop mix. Uh, Billy Blanks Jr., why, what has he done other than be the son of uh, a dad who's much more impressive? Kind of a little bit scary, but anyway, uh, Billy Blanks Jr., not his dad, I'll tell you right now, not even close, but he's, he's obviously making a name for himself. Denise Austin, uh, Shape Up and Shed Pounds. This one's pretty great. There are two workouts on here. Uh, for people who don't want to get into yoga and don't want anything too high impact or too demanding, this will probably be just fine. Uh, you know, it's just kind of cardio and general stretching. This is for the, for the you know, people who look like Kim, Kim Jong-un. I remember I, I used to like like Denise Austin. I thought she was pretty, but she wasn't as pretty as Kathy Smith. I remember Kathy Smith. Oh yeah, she was one of the totally. first ones. She was. She was. She was hotter. She was like a straight blonde. And then the Biggest Loser, the workout at home challenge from beginner to winner in four weeks. Uh, you know, this is like routines from the show, and it's it's okay. 
It's uh, not great. It, it's just exploiting the show. I think some of the other stuff we have here is better, but this one's okay. And then my favorites here are uh, this. You're going to love this. Check it out. Deepak Chopra and Tara Styles. How about that? Deepak Chopra. I know. You thought, what, an exercise guy? No, 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 no. Tara Styles takes you through yoga routines, and then Deepak Chopra caps it all off with some meditation. So it's yoga and meditation on yoga transformation, weight loss, and balance, and then yoga transformation, strength, and energy. You get the yoga and the meditation on one disc, or in this case, two. The yoga and the meditation. I am not bailing Deepak you out. Chopra. I'm not bailing you out. Fine. Whatever. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Mark, talk about TV. Oh, Blu-ray, Batman Year One. You know what? I, I, I think somebody... Here's what I think somebody should do. What's, what should somebody do? Somebody should add up every single Batman comic book <laughs> ever yeah. and figure out how old Batman actually would be Yes, if he actually had all those adventures. There's like, you know, 700 issues of Detective. There's whatever, 500 issues of Batman. There's yeah. all these animated shows. There's all the movies. There's the TV show. I think Batman would be like 150 years old if he actually lived each of these adventures like an actual person. Probably. Batman Year One is, um, is an animated show that I actually kind of... Um, I kind of like this. You know why? Because I like the animation. Some of these uh, cartoon um, adaptations, I don't like the animation, especially the Avengers ones and the mm-hmm. ones where they, where they, look, they, look, they look like little tiny weebles. I don't like that. But this one is a lot better. This is um, uh, Batman Year One, and this includes an, a, an exclusive short called Catwoman and who was featured in the, uh, in the new uh, Christopher Nolan movie coming up. And uh, there's a lot of good uh, exclusives on this. There's um, a conversation with uh, the team that created the... Um, this uh, Batman Year One thing. There's a uh, commentary, and uh, there's good stuff in this. I, I do. I, this is one of the better ones because, I, again, I do like the animation. The um, Blu-ray comes with a DVD and a digital copy, which you will never use. But otherwise, uh, Batman Year One on Blu-ray, um, I kind of liked it. It's good stuff. Swanky. Uh, we are here have Look Season 1 on DVD, a uh, two-disc set. This is the Showtime series, which we actually got a, uh, a little sneak peek at for our listeners. If you remember way back when Adam Rifkin's film version of Look came out, we did an interview with Adam Rifkin. Yes, from the, uh, four, not the Four Seasons, the other one. The, the other on one. On Burton Way. The yeah. Other, the, what is it? The, the, uh, the, the, the show Verrez, the Snuffers. It's my favorite hotel, the yeah. Snuffers. It's the, 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 the Montefraz. We uh, have no idea. Yeah, it's, it's, no one of those, it's one of those. He was very nice. Yeah. But it was, no, it was terrific. We sat in the lobby and we did the uh, interview with him. And he, he mentioned that Look would be, you know, which was a movie shot entirely from the point of view of uh, surveillance cameras would be turned into a television series. And indeed it has been. It's Showtime series, season one, and uh, it's pretty cool. I think actually it, lo- it works better as a series. It, uh, it doesn't feel gimmicky, actually. It feels with the TV series like it's, it's just different. It's like halfway between a, a fictional show, like a, a narrative show and a scripted show and a, uh, a reality show. Something kind of cool about it. It's a good, cool vibe. So uh, anyway, this is season one, two discs. Are we always alone when we think we are? Look, season one. Adam Rifkin, keep it up, man. Rock on. Good stuff. Uh, Big Love is uh, finally come to an end, Wade. I know. We talked about the big complete box set as a Christmas gift, but if you already have all the other seasons, hey, you just need to pick up the complete fifth season. That's right. Bill Paxton, Gene Triplehorn, Chloe Sevigny, Jennifer Goodwin. And uh, by the way, I saw Jennifer Goodwin outside of um, Birds. Oh, really? 
there's a uh, there's a kind of a famous local bar in uh, yeah. not Silver Lake. It's kind of Hollywoody. I don't know what they call that area. Uh, but it's called Birds, and um, mm-hmm. uh, there was Jennifer Goodwin, very pretty, very pretty girl. She I was, like her. She's a good actress. She's funny and she's uh, clever. That's true. Although uh, I don't really know what she's been doing with herself. Is she doing movies? What is she doing? Uh, you know, she's yeah. She did that thing with uh, was it uh, Cameron Diaz? Dud or something? Dud. Yeah. Uh, bonus features including um, commentary and uh, a featurette about the end of the series. This is a mo- uh, this is a show that I think got off to kind of a slow start, and then it kind of. Um, Built up some speed. I don't know that this show is ever as loved as some of the other HBO series, but uh, they, they did a great job of not falling into the cliches Indeed. of a guy with three wives. You get a, yeah. it's all going to you, know, you figure it all would just be like four way sex for you, five seasons. They never did that. You know what's funny? I for for the first three years, I thought the name of this show was Big Glove. Isn't that funny? No, because it's not true. Okay. Wouldn't that be great if I did a show about Big Glove? Oh, it'd be the Michael Jackson story. Yeah. But no, but a guy who just has like a big Mickey Mouse glove and he wears it on one hand and he just walks around all the time and he waves at people. The Michael Jackson story. He like squeezes people on the butt. The Michael Jackson story. Oh, well, there we go. Okay. Uh, we've also got Mildred Pierce, oddly enough, with Guy Pierce. No, no, spelled differently. Uh, this was Kate Winslet in her Emmy winning performance in Mildred Pierce, which also stars Guy Pierce and Evan Rachel Wood. Uh, this is the, a five part HBO miniseries that hews much more closely to the complete story than it do, than does the uh, the original uh, classic black and white film from what what year was the original Mildred Pierce? Uh, the fifties. I think it was the 50s. Was the 50s? Uh, well, this thing here was very well received. This, it's it's it, it, just terrific. Well, you know, it was directed by Todd Haynes, who uh, has a real knack for kind of reinterpreting. I mean, Todd Haynes is an experimental filmmaker who can make really, really annoying and pretentious junk when he does stuff like uh, I'm what, what was, what was I'm the, not there. I'm the, not uh, there. The Bob Dylan, Dylan thing. Oh, my Which gosh. I was just that. I hated that. But when, he, you know, other, other than that, things like uh, Far From Heaven. You know, which is a terrific movie in that whole, you know, classic melodrama vein. And, uh, you know, Douglas Sirk, paying homage to Douglas Sirk in that film. So he really has a, a grasp of the old melodramas and how to reinterpret them. And he did a great job here, a really terrific job. Uh, the uh, production values are terrific. Melissa Leo is also in this, does a wonderful performance. James LeGrow, one of the great underrated uh, Independent film actors of the last 25, 30 years is also in it. Terrific. So, uh, yeah, really, really good. i to tell you, I, I, I think this is uh, surprisingly good. And you can get it on a fabulous collector's edition Blu-ray and DVD set. Um, by all means, uh, focus on the Blu-ray because it's really, really well shot. And it's got a couple of audio commentaries and uh, featurettes and all kinds of great stuff. And Kate Winslet is terrific. Final season of Smallville on Blu-ray. I'm a little bit sick of the whole Superman thing, but, uh, you know, I guess in anticipation of the Zack Snyder Superman, which, by the way, have you seen the, the, the suit in that thing? Well, the suit... The suit looks ridiculous. Well, the suit matches the, the new suit in the comic. I don't care. It looks ridiculous. It well, looks like I, it looks like it's made like it's sprayed on. Well, it, that's fine. Well, that's fine. But ridiculous. I'm saying it matches the suit in the comic. It looks like it's all made of rubber. It's really lame looking. Anyway, uh, now this is the last season of uh, Smallville, which uh, you know has its following. And what do I? What do you want me to recommend? This has got a couple of audio commentaries, 22 episodes uh, total. This is uh, season 10. I can't believe this thing lasted lasted that long. And a whole bunch of featurettes on it, a music video, uh, you know. 
It is what it is. If, if, if you have to take season 10 to get yourself into Smallville, you've missed out. So this is, uh, if you have all the others, by all means convert to Blu-ray, because it really does look good on Blu-ray. I'll give it that much. But I'm kind of sick of it. I get it, Wade. You know what a show I don't get is The Life and Times of Tim. This is an animated show that's been on HBO for a couple seasons, not getting a whole lot of attention. It's sort of an under-the-radar kind of a comedy by I this uh, guy named Steve Dildarian, and he uh, plays the um, the tunnel character. Steve Dildarian? I, I, I just work here. Are you serious? Uh, yes, I am. This is kind of one of those like Seinfeldian uh, comedies where like this uh, this kid in his twenties, you know, hangs out in New York and gets into crazy, awkward, real life situations and has to, you know, get his way out of it. Okay. Um, you know what? I, I would rather watch episodes of Seinfeld, and I, and the animation is sort of like purposely crude, and I'm not really a fan of that like Doctor Katz uh, purposely crude animation. I think it's kind of silly, but. Um, Still, people dig it. I, I I just think that the it never really broke out beyond super cult status. Uh, there is one bonus feature, which is a, a making of the series, which I guess is fine. But um, otherwise, there's ten episodes here. Uh, there's a new series, a new season premieres on December sixteenth, which has prompted the release of this, the Life and Times of Tim, complete second season. I I, I don't. Uh, it's it's just too cult for me. I just don't get it. You know, I've got, I'm going to give some advice to Paramount right now. Uh, I've got here in my hands Gunsmoke, the fifth season, volume two. And let me tell you something. It's perfectly fine. You know, James Arness, he's, he's doing the Gunsmoke Western thing while his brother, uh, uh, the Mission Impossible guy, uh, Peter, Peter Graves, Graves, is doing the, uh, the Mission Impossible thing. And they, you know, a couple of brothers, they own the 60s. That's great. Fine. Good deal. Now, let me tell you something here. First off, um, Gunsmoke ran for like, what, 22 years? Something like that. It was something obnoxious like that. We are now on volume two of the fifth season as 2011 draws to a close. It was in July of 2007 that they released the first season. And then they released season two in 2008. And at the very end of 2008, they released the first part of season three. And then they released the second part of season three in 2009, in May. And then we had to wait uh, over a year to get to season four, which they released in short order in in uh, October and December of 2010. And here we are a year later, October and December of 2011, and we get season five, which seems to mean that they are settling into a part one, part two release in October and December, one season per year. At that rate, to get the rest of Gunsmoke on DVD, it is going to take another 15 years. What are they smoking? Get this show out. Stop releasing it in season, in volume one and volume two. In 15 years, there will be no more DVDs. This is nuts. This show, just get it out. You've, they, got, all, you've got it all. I mean, I realize they, they don't want to blow it out because they'll freak people. You know what? Anyone who's going to want to watch Gunsmoke is, is going to want the whole thing, and they want, they're going to want it now. Just give it to them, for crying out loud. Get the complete series out there in one big $2,000 set and just leave it and let it, let it kind of run its course. You know what? I don't know what the justification this is. This is insane. I, I, I could see if maybe... Four years to get five I seasons know. out. I know. I, you know what? It's, it's, it's sort of like that conversation we had years ago about the Mary Tyler Moore set where they just... Somebody just says, hey, it's been a while since we've done a Mary Tyler oh, Moore so season. Stupid. Let's, let's just release that. Lame. I just don't get it. Uh, Wait, Futurama season six is finally on Blu-ray. And you know, know. Here's, here's, what I, here's what I love about this Blu-ray. Uh, 13 episodes on... Two discs. Nice. 
I love that. Nice. And you know what? Clean. Because a lot of times they feel like they, 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 they've got to make the packaging big and thick to make it look like there's a lot on there. You know what? No. 13 episodes? Clean. Two discs. Nice. Uh, this is the uh, season that uh, Futurama had sort of um, returned. It uh, was on Fox and um, wound up being canceled and then picked up by Comedy Central. They asked for 26 uh, half-hour episodes that began uh, airing in... Uh, June of 2010. And uh, this is the thirteen first 13 episodes of the Comedy Central run. And my thoughts on Futurama uh, haven't really changed that much, which is that uh, it's a funny show that kind of should have been funnier. These episodes I did find kind of funny. You know, Matt Groening wrote uh, a number of the stories for this, which, of course, is always great when Matt Groening... Um, uh, participates. Yeah. Also, Josh Weinstein did a, a couple scripts for this, and Josh Weinstein is very funny, a great writer for The Simpsons. So there is some funny stuff here. Uh, Futurama season six has a bunch of uh, special features on here, including some audio commentaries, a couple of funny uh, deleted scenes. So if you like Futurama season six, go for it. Um, I do like this show; it does continue on Comedy Central. And uh, if you don't, and while you're watching it, Wade, drink some Slurm. Slurm. Drink some slurm. It comes out of a worm's anus. How does that compare to uh, Tranya? This is Tranya. <laughs> I hope you relish it as much as I. Yes, and then his brother went on to win an Oscar for directing uh, <laughs> Russell Crowe. And I you know what? Uh, it's funny. Uh, you know when um, I when I got the Star Trek original series Blu-rays, right? I watched that episode. Yeah. The, uh, mm-hmm. the that uh, you know the Corbomite maneuver. Yeah. That episode was directed totally different from any of the, uh, any of the other episodes. There's, there's handheld work in there, yeah. and it just looks different from any other episode. And I, and, and I checked to see who directed. You know who directed that episode? That, the only episode of Star Trek he directed, hmm. Joseph Sargent. Interesting. It's the only episode of Star Trek that Joe Sargent directed. And Joseph Sargent is like, you know, the guy's like a... A TV legend. He's kind of a TV legend. He's I mean, like the, the Cecil B. DeMille of television. Yeah, but the, he he directed the Taking of Pelham one two three. Yeah, that's the true. original. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And that's MacArthur. Right. Yeah. I mean, just and Jaws of Revenge. Uh, yeah. Forget that. A lot of great miniseries. Too, no, but like he's like a real director. I know. And I remember in the Corbomite maneuver, there's a shot that you never saw again in the whole series, where uh, Kirk is in the turbo shaft and the doors open. Oh, and, and they, they follow him out. They follow him out. I over remember his shoulder. that. I remember that. Never saw that again. That's Joe Sargent. Good for him. Isn't that just bizarre? That's great. I, I mean, remember that. Else... I totally remember that. Yeah, it was because it, it, was, it, was, it was like it was handheld, and it was in a position that you weren't used to seeing on the show, and it just looked and felt different and cooler, and way more realistic. Like you're sort of like in the turbo lift with him, and uh, I looked, and it was Joe Sargent. Good for him. We're going to go into some movies now. Uh, Life Above All is a terrific film that came out earlier this year from Sony Pictures Classics. It has not been remembered. They didn't even send this out as a screener for us, did they? They For, did for not. awards consideration. That it's too correct. bad. Life Above All is a really, really good movie. Um, it's, uh, takes, Oliver Schmitz directed this. It uh, takes place in South Africa. It's about a, a girl who goes on a... How do I put this without giving anything away? This 12-year-old girl, um, there's a family stigma, and she has to find her mother. And her family is basically being torn apart. She's taking care of her little brother. It's, it's just, it, it immerses you in the horror and the tragedy. 
and the superstition that is tearing apart the townships in South Africa. And uh, it's a really gutsy film. And this girl is so phenomenal. She is so incredible. It will just uh, blow your mind. It's based on a book called um, Shonda's Secrets. And uh, you got to check this out. If you missed it, you have really... Uh, you, it's it, This will just floor you. Uh, I, I, in fact, I may even have to insert this in my top ten. I'm still working out my top ten. Insert this in your what? My top ten for the oh, year. Geez. Life Above All. Anyway, Life Above All. It was the Certain Regard can. It was in the Toronto uh, and San Francisco and Ebert Fests. And uh, absolutely worthy film. Wade, um, Ruben Fleischer directed a film that I liked a lot called Zombieland. And uh, he followed it up with a film I don't like as much called 30 Minutes or Less. This is with uh, Jesse Eisenberg and uh, Danny McBride, who I don't understand. Why would those two people wind up in a movie together? Why? I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't get it. The anyway, cast um, of this movie doesn't make any sense to uh, me. Uh, anyway, the, the, uh, these two criminals kidnap uh, Jesse Eisenberg and force him to rob a bank. This movie has a little bit of what I didn't like about Your Highness, which is like I felt it was directed. Danny with, McBride. Yeah, I mean there is there, there is a through line there. It's not a coincidence. I just felt it was directed with um, no particular energy and no particular you know wit or creativity. It's just right. basically just a big slacker comedy. I'm not a big fan of slacker comedies like I that. I hate them. But uh, there's special features there, including uh, deleted scenes, outtakes, a uh, couple of uh, exclusive to Blu-ray extras, including a. Um, a picture-in-picture commentary, which I kind of like. That's always fun. Uh, but the movie, not, a, not that funny. Uh, Colin Farrell, what happened to you, Colin Farrell? You are now starring with Anton Yelchin in uh, Fright Night 3D, a relaunch of the Fright Night uh, franchise. Boat, boat payments. <laughs> you know, when he was signed on to do this, I wondered why. I thought, is, is there something in this new telling that could actually be something? You know what I mean? You're no, nothing like, whatsoever. Huh? Nothing whatsoever. I, I, you know what? I, I, I didn't like the original Friday. I, you know, those Friday movies are really not for me. They're really lame. Like They're lame. But, um, you know, it's got a good cast. directed by Craig Gillespie. And, uh, is, you know, it, it was moderately well-received. I just don't like these sorts of movies. You know, people thought it was kind of scary, but also kind of funny, a little tongue-in-cheek, and people sure. appreciated that. Um so I think that there are the movie does have its fans. I just happen to be not one of them. Uh, there's four ways to watch this film. There's the Blu-ray Ugh. 3D, mm-hmm. the regular Blu-ray, mm-hmm. the DVD, and the digital copy. Oh boy! Four ways of which you will only watch one, which is the Blu-ray, and that's <sighs> Friday Night 3D. It looks great though. I'll give him that. I mean, it's, it was it's a pretty medium budget film. It's not super low budget. So there is some money put behind it, and it does look good. Uh, but otherwise, only if you like this kind of stuff. You know, there was an Israeli film from a few years ago, a really, really successful Israeli film that was remade uh, as the English-language film The Debt, and that's out on DVD and on Blu-ray. The Debt, directed by John Madden, who uh, directed Shakespeare in Love to uh, Best Picture win, uh, way back when. And John Madden hasn't really recaptured the magic of that moment since, but uh, The Debt is... a you know, I like it more the more I think about it. When I saw it, I was like, not so much. Um, but it's it, it, here's the concept here. You've got an Israeli special forces team that is, they're all aging now. They're all heroes because of a mission that they're all legendary for. And Helen Mirren is, uh, you know, the, the female from that that great team. And apparently something from all those years earlier 
isn't quite right. There's a secret, something that hasn't been divulged. And uh, that secret's on the verge of coming out. And you flash back to that event with Jessica Chastain, who's been in everything this last year, playing the young Helen Mirren. And uh, you revisit the actual event itself when these, uh, these Israeli commandos had to go on, you know, this, this very, very dangerous mission crossing a border. And, uh, I, you know, I won't give you all the details of it, but it's, it, it deals with, uh, you know, Nazi war criminals and the Cold War and, uh, you know, the degree to which they may or may not be protected in the Eastern Bloc. And it's very, very, uh, it's, it's one of those films that tries to play tricks on you. But um, it does it so intelligently that you don't necessarily object to the fact that it's kind of mechanical. Uh, very well directed, and all the acting is terrific. Uh, you know, not perfect. A few things that I would have uh, preferred they not do, but uh, some nice supporting performances by Karen Hines, who's hardly in it. Tom Wilkinson, who's terrific. Uh, so check it out on Blu-ray. Don't, do it, don't watch it on DVD. You need it on Blu-ray. It's really, really well photographed. Terrific uh, contrast on the Blu-ray especially, so I have to really tip my hat to the good people at uh, Universal and Focus, because they did a really good one here. And I don't always like the Universal Blu-rays, but this one's, uh, this one's real sharp, dark, moody. All that contrasty stuff that they're doing in, in East Berlin in the middle of the night really, really looks sharp. Very, very eerie, very cool. Very gray. Very gray and yet... And Cold War-ish. But it's the, it's the, it's the shadows, you know? It, when you watch it on DVD, the, the shadows just kind of chalk out. They just vanish. But on the Blu-ray, everything is just really crisp and immersive. I like that. Immersive. I like that. I'm going to use that word again, immersive. I like that. What I like less is Tanner Hall. Tanner Hall is a uh, rather cliched and generic story that takes place at a girls' boarding school. This uh, is notable only because it stars Rooney Mara. Rooney Mara. What's her name? Rooney Mara, who is uh, Lizbeth, the girl the dragon Lizbeth Sander in the uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And I, I, by the way, I thought she was fine in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, although she does not take the place of um, Numi Rapace, who, by the way... Is not that great in Sherlock Holmes. She's not. It's a, no. You know what? It's a nothing part, and she looks weird. I'm telling you, Wade. In, in Sherlock Holmes, she I looks know. weird. I know. I agree. Like, she's really actually not that pretty. Hair's too long. No. What? I don't know. Something. You, I don't know. What the hell are you talking about? I don't know. Exactly. Uh, Zoe Saldana stars in Columbiana. Oh, which... my God. I can't wait to see that. I, I can't wait to uh, talk about how bad that is. <laughs> you know what? You know, here's why Zoe Saldana did this movie. Because her agent said, Zoe... This movie is a piece of junk. But here's the thing. You'll get top billing. And you want to set that precedent. Once you set the precedent of having top billing, you will never you will never have to give that back. So even though this thing is a piece of junk programmer with lots of like, you know, yeah. fetish shots of you fighting and big explosions, you will get top billing. I, I, I told, uh, you're absolutely spot on. Look, here's the thing. Luc Besson has made a career over the last 15 years of just doing these completely formulaic French action films that many of them are actually done in English. And this is one of them. And he's just basically remaking uh, La Femme Nikita here, which is uh, offensive. He wrote this with Robert Mark Kamen, who's been his writing partner for years, beginning with The Fifth Element. And they've done a lot of stuff like Taken and, you know, the, the uh, Transporter films. And uh, Robert Mark Kamen, of course, did The Karate Kid. So, you know, it's The Karate Kid guy with The Femme Nikita guy. And next thing you know, you got a whole lot of action and martial arts. And there it is. Uh, and they always hire somebody from the Hong Kong film industry to do the action choreography, and then they'll hire some just you know low rung uh, assistant director from the French film industry to get a directing debut on this, so they don't have to pay no, him no, a no, lot, no, and he'll no, listen no, to him. No, 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 the no, guy no, who no. directed this is Olivier Megaton. Go for it, Wade. By the way, that's not his real name. I know it isn't. He, you realize how he came up with that name? 
he he took his last name from uh, because he was born on the day they bombed Hiroshima. Yeah, that's great. Clever guy. Megaton. Megaton. I'm just going to use that. Megaton. That dorky. I know. Which is worse? Olivier Megaton or McG? McG. Okay. Actually. Uh, anyway, this is just take, the redoing La Femme Nikita with a woman who has, uh, you know, she she's uh, she es- escapes her family's uh, assassination at the hands of Colombian drug dealers. And then, you know, she grows up to be this unbelievably insane female assassin who can do no wrong. Except that all of her missions depend on people doing absolutely absurd things that, that if they, like, if this guy did not leave a battery in a certain, if he didn't leave a cup of tea in a certain place, her whole plan would be foiled. Like, it depends on people doing stupid things. It's just ridiculous. Absurd screenplay. Love it. But whatever. Zoe Saldana's gore. You know, here's a funny story Funny uh, story that goes along with this. I saw this with Tim. And, and Tim, Tim told this story on NPR, but he didn't quite tell it in these words. He used slightly more delicate language appropriate to NPR. But Tim actually leans over to me halfway through this movie, and he says, you know, she's so fine, I almost don't hate this movie. Yeah. Which really defines it. Awesome. So there it is, Columbiana. But it's on a it's on Blu-ray, uh, which is perfectly fine. It's not a great Blu-ray. I've seen better, but uh, there it is. You know, it's it's Sony. They should be doing better, but I, they kind of phoned this one in, I think. Uh, a not bad movie that uh, took a real shot is a thing called Blackthorn. Now, the reason why Blackthorn is notable. Uh, is not because it's a western, because there's lots and lots of westerns. In fact, I'm almost sick of westerns at this point. But it's because we have Sam Shepard. Now, Sam Shepard isn't just playing another Sam Shepardy grizzled western dude. Sam Shepard is actually playing Butch Cassidy. Now, this is Butch Cassidy in his later years, and uh, and it takes place in Bolivia. Mm-hmm. If you remember, at the end of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, they were dreaming of yes. going off to Bolivia. Yes. Well, here in Blackthorn, he actually goes. To Bolivia. Now, of course, at the end of Butch Cassidy, he famously gets completely gunned down. But, you know, whatever. This is uh, Blackthorn. And you know what? This film really isn't that bad. You know, it's very kind of uh, contemplative, and it's beautifully shot, and uh, Shepard is great. And it was directed by this guy named Mateo Gill, who wrote a bunch of screenplays, including The Sea Inside, and Agora. Um, So there is some stuff to be seen here, this um, Blackthorn. And it's you know what it, it it's just it look it's big and uh, lots of vistas and lots of shots of like heroic uh, you know guys on horseback riding into camera, and it's really not that bad. So um, if you're tired of westerns, you may want to check out Blackthorn because it might uh, reinvigorate your love of this classic old genre. Blackthorn, totally. Uh, you know, an interesting little movie here called Daddy Long Legs, which is from the Kim Stim collection. It's been uh, released kind of in tandem from IFC Films, Zeitgeist, and Kim Stim, three really institutional names when it comes to independent film. And uh, this, is a, this is a curious little, uh, cool little independent film that really should have gotten, I think this got a very, very brief theatrical release and didn't go anywhere after that. But this was uh, nominated for a Spirit Award, and deservingly so. This is a cool little independent film by Josh and Benny Safdie, S-A-F-D-I-E, that is sort of semi-autobiographical on their part. And um, it just basically details the story of their relationship with their dad, and uh, what a strange, awkward, and um, you know, sometimes troubling and disturbing tale it is. I don't usually like films that are semi-autobiographical because, as as my wife often says, uh, just because it's meaningful to you doesn't mean it's meaningful to everyone else. Um, 
Can I say something about this film? What can you say about it? This film is terrific. Yeah. Well, I really like this film a lot, actually. I, I wish you know it were... You know why? Because because Daddy Longlegs, he, he's the father of these, yeah. of these kids. He... Not to be confused with these uh, uh, W.C. Fields film, Daddy Longlegs, that's by the true. way. Yes. Um, he is the worst father ever. When, when, when you watch the movie, it's not but like... But he doesn't mean to be bad. No. That's he's why He's well-intentioned. Yes. That's yeah. why the movie's kind he's of just terrifying. Neurotic. He's just neurotic. And you watch this movie, and it's one of those films where it looks really low-budget, and it was shot on the streets of New York, so it looks great. You see, my, my issues with it are sort of the, uh, the, the mumblecore element to it. It's not a mumblecore film, but it kind of looks and it feels a little bit. It does have that. It has uh, that, that, yeah. But it transcends that, so I appreciate that. I actually uh, would recommend Daddy Longlegs. It's a good movie. Good movie. Go get some. Uh, one of the surprise uh, box office hits of the last uh, uh, quarter century. No. Uh, was the <laughs> well, I'm taking one of these because you got two. Um, okay. Was a dolphin tail 3D? Now a dolphin tail is uh, based on a true story about a dolphin who loses uh, its tail and then it's given an artificial tail, and it's got a terrific cast: Chris Christopherson, Morgan Freeman, Ashley Judd, Harry Connick Jr. And now, a lot Harry of CGI. Connick, now Harry Connick Jr. Ashley Judd they sort of spell like lame directed DVDness, mm-hmm. whereas like Morgan Freeman, he, yeah. does, he does a lot now. I think Morgan yeah. Freeman's got to relax. Yeah. And Doing Chris Christopherson is always cool. But you know what? This thing was, it, it came out at a time when there was not a lot of uh, similar content I in know. theaters. Totally. So parents had nothing to take their kids to. True. And they wound up taking their kids to this. Totally. And uh, you know, it really isn't that bad. No, it's all right. I have to say. It's all right. It looks, uh, does it look good on Blu-ray? You know, it's not particularly beautifully shot. It looks fine. I like Harry Connick Jr. He was once uh, married to Grace on Will and Grace, and he was a doctor. I like that story. What? Yeah. What the hell are you talking about? Uh, you know what? What uh, you talking about, Willis? I don't know. Uh, out on Blu-ray is the completely superfluous and uh, pointless remake of Straw Dogs. Was this just like courtesy why? of Rod Lurie? Why? Who, you know, Rod Lurie, who used to be a film critic, just like us, and now he makes remakes of better movies. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what he was thinking. I, I honestly, I have not seen Rod in probably, good grief, how long? At least twelve years. Because uh, he's like, you know, hoity-toity now. But uh, I don't know why. I don't know what the point was. I just don't. Like, why? It's just the original Raw Dogs, Straw Dogs, Raw Dogs. The original Straw Dogs is such a terrific peck-and-paw film. Um, it's so kind of over-the-top in a really creepy way. Hoffman is so good in it. And why would you want to try and replicate that? I well, just don't get it. I can see replicating it if you if you can somehow contemporize the themes. Yeah, but they don't. But they don't. It's just a straight retelling. I just, just I, I I can see lame. why I can see why Lurie would say, I like this film a lot. Mm. I just don't know that he ever said I like this film a lot and I can bring something new to it. It's just like oh let's just make the same movie. Yeah. Well, anyway, it came and went, and deservedly so. Uh, commentary on here with Rod, who's always a good talker. I mean, uh, you know, he knows how to kind of make it sound interesting. I just wish the movie were, were up to it. As, as a Blu-ray, sure, it looks great. I mean, it's got a lot of dark and a lot of fire, and, the, you know, the orange against the blacks is lovely, and I'm sure you'll probably see this playing on a lot of uh, floor models of televisions throughout the holiday season. That and Daddy Longlegs. Uh, a movie that for some reason I thought would be terrible and people just love it is Margin Call. Now, Margin Call is the story of, uh, it's like, you know, 24 hours in the, in, the, in the life of an investment bank. And it's got an all-star cast, including um, Kevin Spacey and Jeremy Irons and Zachary Quinto and uh, Simon Baker and Demi Moore, Stanley Tucci. And, you know, what I liked about this film, and it is a good film, surprisingly good, and I, I expected nothing out of it was that it 
even though all these people do terrible things that eventually, like, you know, bring down the country, you, in a way, you sort of sympathize with them because they're just sort of like regular people making moment-to-moment decisions. Yeah. Even though they're ultimately terrible decisions. Yes. You know, so the movie doesn't let them off the hook. The movie just says, look at them as people. I'm going to say I like this film for what it does. It's, I don't think it's a great film. For what it does, I, I like it better than, uh, uh, what was the uh, the Ben Affleck thing last year? You know I, you know what? The thing with the Ben Affleck thing last year, which was, uh, that was one directed uh, by John Wells. Who, yeah, uh, created, uh, not, uh, not uh, Simple Man, uh, but uh, uh, no, what's it, uh, uh, oh, Hang on, don't stop the recording. Uh, 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 don't stop the recording. I'm going to find out the name of this movie. I'm going to think of it. You ready? Here we go. Three, two, one. It's called uh, Mildred Pears. Company Men. Company Men. Thank you. The problem with Company Men is that I, I, I didn't like Company Men. Because you know what? I, the problem with Company Men is that everybody in it was incredibly rich to begin with. You know, so I don't really. I, hear you. I, I, I didn't feel bad that Ben Affleck had to, had to downgrade from a Porsche. To a uh, you know to, to like a less expensive yeah, Porsche. I didn't care. Uh, catch forty four. That's catch dot forty four. Is in forty four Magnum Man. Uh, this was written and directed by Aaron Harvey, and somehow this straight to video nightmare. Uh, or did this wind up in a theater for half a second? It may have half a second. It may have been a half a second. Anyway, this is from Anchor Bay. I think they may have put this thing in the theaters for half a second. But it, this features uh, Bruce Willis and Forrest Whitaker, Oscar winner Forrest Whitaker. Uh, along with Malin Ackerman and uh, Brad Dourif, and it really it's it's a much better cast than this movie really deserves to be honest. Um, I don't know who Aaron Harvey is, but I find him to be of um, middling talent. Uh, this movie is completely and totally forgettable, and it would have just vanished if not for its cast. Uh, this is about a trio of hit women who uh, have to, you know, screw up some big kind of a, a drug deal out in Louisiana in the, you know, the friggin' crazy, disgusting, hot, sweaty bayou. And, uh, of course, everything goes wrong in, you know, Reservoir Dogs fashion and kablooey. I gotta tell you, man, it just... Uh, these movies are such a cliche, and I don't know how they keep getting made. And I don't know why people throw, keep throwing money at these things so that they can hire, like, big-name stars because then they just suck up all the air that should otherwise be going to better movies. It's on Blu-ray and on DVD. Nobody is that remarkable in this thing. Forrest Whitaker deserves better, and Bruce Willis certainly should know better. And, uh, you know, no, nothing remarkable about the Blu-ray or the DVD. I'm sorry to say I was really looking forward to this, and I'm mighty disappointed. That's telling him, Wade. Yeah, it is. That's it. Uh, Warrior is a uh, film that um, was shot on film. Was shot on film. Directed by Gavin O'Connor. This is a uh, the problem with this movie is that uh, there's two problems with the movie. Which, by the way, as a as a as a uh, as a crafted piece of of entertainment art, it really isn't bad. Here's the two problems it had. Three problems it had. One is um, people felt as if they saw the same film last year with the fighter. The other problem is that it's about uh, the MMA, where you know people beat mm-hmm. the crap out of each other, yeah. and no, no, nobody wants to see that. Yeah, I know. The other thing is called Warrior. They should have known when, when uh, David Mamet made Red Belt, which I, I, I and, and I love Mamet, and I didn't like that film. Yeah, they should have known. Um, well, here's the thing: is that if you're going to make a movie about the MMA, and you're going to call it Warrior, forget all women. Women will not see that film. Right on. Men over the age of let's say fifty will not see that film. No. 
you know, so you got college and college mm-hmm. kids are not going to see this film because nope. it ju- it's it's too prestige feeling. Yep. Right. Yep. So who's going to see this film? Yep. Nobody. Nobody. And uh, did poorly, and all, and I was I was upset it did poorly for two reasons. Uh, those two reasons are Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton. These are two guys who are finally starting to hit mainstream, and I'm really mm-hmm. happy because they're very very talented. Love Tom Hardy, love Joel Edgerton. I'm with you. And uh, I just think this thing was a total misfire. It's a spectacular looking Blu-ray, though. I got to tell you, it is. Oh, a I spectac- love this movie. I know we're going to get to it in a moment. I want to do. Spectacular looking Blu-ray, though. Warrior really really looks good. I mean, it's uh, Lionsgate pulled out all the stops. Um, you know, Mark, I'd love to tell this story about the Expendables and about how you chose to take your date to go see that Julia Roberts movie, and then she said, "Oh, I'd so much rather see the." Oh, you know what? Oh, I, I told I've, I've told that story. They, yeah, you have. They, no, they, it was they, um, it was um, um, it was Eat, Pray, Love. That was. I it. figured she's a woman; she's going to want to go see Eat, Pray, Love. We're standing yeah. in line for mm-hmm. the screen for Eat, Pray, Love, and I said, "Does the joke? Hey, you know, uh, Expendables uh, was screening the same night. She goes, oh, I so would rather have seen that." You know what's interesting about the Expendables? This thing cost a fraction of what the A Team cost. And it had um, stars that should be past their prime, which was the whole point of it, Stallone and, uh, you know, who directed it. And it, uh, it didn't have the name recognition of the A-Team. And yet it made more. It made more money. That is true. And it, which means it's vastly more profitable. Uh, a real coup for Lionsgate, even though they took a, a bath in some of their other films last year. But The Expendables and rightfully deserves a sequel. It's going to be great. I have to say, Wade, before you talk about it, uh-huh. may, may I say something? Go ahead. I hated this movie. The Expendables? I really did. I thoroughly I just, enjoyed it. I because, thought it was just so obnoxiously yeah, but loud. It's Stop meant it. to be. It's meant to be. I mean, come on. When Jason Statham does the basketball scene, come on. I just couldn't handle great it. Great moment. Just, just, it's Please, like a, it's like old school action stuff. It was fun. It. I had a good time. The worst. I mean, it's not good, but you know, I had a fair enough time. Anyway, uh, <laughs> co-written by Stallone and directed by Stallone, and uh, you know, it has it has an old school feel to it. So I'm I'm okay with it. Anyway, uh, you know, it's a bunch of guys on a mission movie. It's it's the it's just so it's, a, it's just so obnoxiously loud. Enough with the enough with the explosions. I know. It's not even like wink wink macho. I think it really is trying to be macho. Yeah, it is. I like Dolph Lundgren in it because he's Dolph Lundgren and we've interviewed him. And then lastly, Mark, Midnight in Paris, one of the best films of the year. I agree. It's just terrific. I I love this film. I love it. Even though, you know, I'm getting a little tired of Woody casting younger actors as his on-screen surrogates and he's done that so much in the last decade. I mean, in this case, it's Owen Wilson who's, uh, you know, doing the Woody shtick. But uh, I think this is the most inventive, interesting, and original thing Woody's done in a long time. I'm not going to tell you what the story is. You don't need to know. Midnight in Paris. It is wonderful. It is nostalgic. It, is, uh, it, it sort of taps that interesting little child in all of us. And it's the first time that Woody has really kind of gone in a genre direction in a long time. Since Zelig, maybe Zelig, I guess, yeah. or uh, Purple Rose, Purple Rose of Cairo, Purple Rose of Cairo, or the his, his contribution so to New York awesome. stories, yeah, with the mother in the sky. And there's a little little bit of that kind of stuff in uh, in uh, uh, Mighty Aphrodite. That's a true. little bit yeah. of it, but uh, still, here it's just delightful, absolutely wonderful, yep. and uh, Love it. some great performances. Just great. I, it's just such a delight. Go see yep. it's Woody for crying out loud. Yep, uh, and it's on Blu-ray, and you got to see it on Blu-ray because Woody's movies are always so well shot, especially for comedies. It's just gorgeous. Blu-ray and only. Blu-ray of, only. Of course, uh, also like all Woody movies, uh, there's no extras on the uh, Blu-ray. Nor should there be. He won't do an audio commentary. No. He won't do featurettes. There's no deleted scenes. But you do get chapter stops, which David Lynch will not do. 
That's true. Yeah, absolutely. What else um, we got, Wade? Uh, Mark, let, we, got, we, we got old movies or we got some music. We can roll through, through some music stuff. Uh, what are we going to do? Old movies. Let me see what we have. Look at the music. Look at, look at the music. It's mostly classical That's stuff. That's lame. Don't okay. do that. Okay. Your favorite. Oh, another <laughs> one. I, wait, I can't take it, honestly. I, you know what? I... I love the first. I, I love the first I nineteen Mystery Science Theater three thousand uh, box sets, but now I just 22. can't take it anymore. This one includes Time of the Apes, Mighty Jack, The Violent Years, and the Violent Years and the Brute Man. I don't uh, care. None I of which I've ever heard of. Please, well, you're not supposed to. You're supposed to just make fun of the. Uh, you're supposed to love the show. I, I, I wait. Make it stop. I can't. I, it, it's not up well, to you, me. Well, you realize the show was on for like 10 years. I know. I think it was and on they forever. keep coming out. They're going to keep coming. They really do. Uh, you know what? It's fine. We've, I mean, we've done what, it. We've done come it. Come on. It, it, what there can we I go. tell it's you? Done. It's fine. You know what? It's funny. Ha ha. It's great. Totally. Okay, uh, real quickly, we got uh, some compilation sets here. Underworld Trilogy, The Essential Collection oh on Blu-ray. Oh, my God, I love the Underworld films. And, uh, you know, the uh, it was two years ago, actually, on Christmas Eve, that I saw Kate Beckinsale and her family at, uh, at the market. And I see celebrities every year on Christmas Eve. That's the big question. Who am I going to see this year on Christmas Eve? Nobody. It was Danny Boone last year and uh, Cooper Gooding Jr. year before that. It was... Um, Kid Beckinsale and uh, Charlie Sheen's ex. What's her name? The uh, rocket scientist. Steve. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway, these are the three Underworld films. The extended cut of the original, along with Underworld Evolution and Rise of the Lycans. And uh, what can I tell you? You know, it's a lot of vampires and werewolves and overacting and expe- you know special effects and wacky you know martial arts moves. And these movies are just tedious and tiresome. But um, they're dark and blue and uh, a lot of blood, and they look cool on Blu-ray. I mean, if you, if, you know, if you can find this at a decent price, it's a nice thing to kind of show off a nice television or a Blu-ray set, but otherwise it's not very entertaining. Uh, way Complete Utter Silliness comes to you uh, by way of Chillerama. Now, Chillerama is a, um, a bad film. Any movie that has Rama in it, like Wonderama or Motorama, it's okay by me. Uh, Chillerama is a bad film, but it knows it's a bad film, and that's okay because Adam Rifkin was involved. And whatever happened to Adam Rifkin? Um, he didn't direct it, but still, it's uh, whatever happened to Adam Rifkin. Um, what I'm saying is, although he did write one of the, actually, you know what? Adam Rifkin did write one of the uh, segments, and he did direct one of the segments. Here's what it's about: it's about the very last drive-in theater in America, and there's a uh, there's a quadruple feature of thriller chillers at yeah. the very last drive-in theater in America. One of those movies. No, come on. It's well. Here's the thing. It's obviously ridiculous. Look here. Here are the um, uh, here are the three of uh, the four films: Diary of Anne Frankenstein. Come on, how funny is that? Diary of Anne Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Funny. Yeah, all right, fine. Uh, zombie movie. Oh, god. Wadzilla. Oh, jeez. And I was a teenage werebear. Now, Fabulous. I, in theory, I would love a film like this because mm-hmm. it just has to be low budget, nobly silly. Okay. In fact, look, even even the uh, even even the key art I looks know. like some Mad Magazine, yeah, crazy nineteen seventies thing. I, ultimately, I, this film is just really not that funny. The it's fact just, that it wants low, to the fact that it budget. wants to be the ultimate midnight movie is kind of annoying to me. But whatever. Yeah, you somebody know, has to. Somebody has to be the ultimate midnight movie. Uh, you know, like any anthology film, these things are hit and miss. Obviously, Rifkin does the best of the bunch because he is the most accomplished director here. Um, you know, it's fine. It's okay. not fine. It's stupid. Uh, 
You know, I uh, on the radio last week I talked about the uh, the new Roger Corman movie. It's a, it's not a, a by him, but it's a documentary about him. Corman's and it's, world. It's uh, Corman's world, and it's terrific. And uh, did I mention that they used uh, two shots in that from Schlock? Uh, yes, and they didn't pay you for it. I'll give you credit for it. <laughs> no, there's credit. There's, there's well, there credit is. Given. Yeah, there's wow. credit given. Yeah, these two shots in it. Anyway, uh, well, speaking of Corman, the legendary Corman, there are two uh, two new Corman cult classic releases from the good people at Shout Factory. Uh, triple feature here of Lethal Ladies is the Lethal Ladies collection with Firecracker, TNT Jackson, and Too Hot to Handle. Um, you, you know, butt-kicking women did not originate. Well, they kind of originated in Hong Kong movies, but uh, they were really perfected during the black exploitation era, the uh, exploitation era of the '70s in particular. And uh, I got to tell you, TNT Jackson is worth the purchase price alone. Uh, Firecracker is kind of lame and cheesy, and Too Hot to Handle is so-so. But uh, TNT Jackson uh, with uh, Gene Bell is pretty great. And there's some funny, funny uh, continuity error stuff in this thing that uh, Tim Cogshell could tell you all about. It is just really funny, like panties that change color for no reason whatsoever. Uh, Come on. Go for it. Get some. And then we have uh, the All Night Marathon, Vampires, Mummies, and Monsters, two-disc special edition of the four films that include the following, Lady Frankenstein, The Velvet Vampire, Time Walker, and Grotesque. None of these have anything to do with each other whatsoever. Uh, Lady Frankenstein is cheesy and amusing. The Velvet Vampire is hysterical. Uh, Grotesque, I'm not a fan of, but it has a real following. And Time Walker is, um, you know, it's cheesy, but it's cheesy in kind of an inspired way. Uh, and it's really nicely shot, I have to say, considering it was made for no money whatsoever. It was actually interestingly shot. and has an in- a cool interview on it, by the way, uh, with Kevin Brophy and uh, the producer, Dimitri Villard. The, um, the thing that I found most interesting here is that The Velvet Vampire has an audio commentary by someone I actually knew growing up. The actress Celeste Yarnell, who is who's like in a lot of Shields and Yarnell. No, Uh, Celeste Yarnell, who's in a lot of these B movies back in the day, and I didn't know that. I actually, you know, knew her a little bit growing up. Her daughter was Shields and Yarnell. I think her daughter was like two years younger than I was. Anyway, uh, she does the audio commentary here, so it's lovely to know that she's still uh, alive and uh, you know still very much connected with her past. So that's lovely. If she's out there, Celeste, bravo, wonderful, nice to know you're out there. All right, Wade, we have one more, right? Email us at gods at digigods.com. We'd love to have Celestia now on the show. Of course we would. Wade, one more, right? Then we're wrapping it up. Please tell me. Yes. Okay, fine. Wrap it up with that. Uh, the 20th anniversary of The Rocketeer. This is the uh, film directed by Joe Johnston that made it possible for Joe Johnston to direct Captain America. Um, you know, uh, this film was sort of like, it, was, it really got mixed notices when it came out. Uh, you remember Christine James? Who used to be our one of our editors at Box Office? God, you remember what Christine? To her? Christine and uh, and her husband moved to Arizona, and uh, he is in this movie. He is a Nazi who gets like thrown out of the blimp or out of the airplane or something. No, wait. Now, um, uh, does she still write? What does she do? I have no idea. I haven't heard from her in years. God, I remember her. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the Rocketeer is about a. Uh, it's about a. Uh, you know a. a, a a, a rocketeer. Like a, yeah, he's, he's like a test yeah, pilot. Like yeah, the guy's like a test pilot, and he straps on these rockets and a metal helmet, and he becomes the rocketeer. And he, uh, he you know, he, he's with Timothy it's, Dalton and Jennifer Connelly. Here's what this is. It's Captain America crossed with the right stuff. Yes, it is. That's what it is. Yes, it is. With a, uh, by the way, with a moderately early James Horner score, by the way. 
Yes. Not a terrible score. Not a great score, but not a terrible score. I think this movie was was poorly handled, and I think... Um, I don't think they really... Because it was really heavily marketed. It wasn't like they didn't put enough money into making people aware of it. I remember big stand-ups in studio lobbies and everything else, and it just... But it didn't It didn't it's take it, off. You, you know what? It, it, there was something about... It's something about the marketing of that film, I remember, was pretty ubiquitous, where it seemed like they were trying to shove it down our throats. They were trying to make it into an event that the movie itself really wasn't. Well, they wanted us to believe it was the next Indiana Jones. That was the problem. And it, it's not. It, it's just... An, it's, it's just a... Yeah. It's, it's the first Rocketeer. It's not the exactly. next Indiana Jones. Nope. It's the first Rocketeer. Very true. And sometimes you just you know if if you, if you can um, if you can uh, uh, if you can sort of um, manage expectations. Yes, true. Which is part of marketing. Not every movie can be the biggest thing ever. You got to manage true. expectations Very for true. the movie that it is. There it is. You'll be better off with Rocketeer. They tried to make it something. It, they tried to conflate it, inflate yes. it into something it was not. Exactly. Well, with that, our show is done. Uh, we have Christmas and Hanukkah coming up uh, pronto. So listen, hopefully you've done all your gift buying. If you haven't, hopefully we gave you some ideas of some cool new things to get. Get that that uh, John Houston book. It kills. It rocks. Uh, with that, uh, we're going to sign off wishing you a very, 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 very happy Hanukkah and an incredibly Merry Christmas. We'll be back next week with a bit of a year-end wrap-up. And in the meantime, email us at gods at digigods.com uh, with all of your questions, concerns, hate mail, love mail. We'll take it all, read it on the air. Mm-hmm.